Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over six months of age. Season four is all about recognizing people and organizations who help animals and the people who help them. This episode takes us to Thailand, where we meet Tamara Johnston of Thai Street Paws Dog Rescue. But don't let the name fool you. Tamara helps more than just dogs, and you'll be surprised what creature is hanging out in her home. The snippet tip is a quick one. I hope you check it out because it can help you easily change the lives of people and animals. And I'm sure you'll notice that we've got some new music on Upper Dogology podcast. And this new music is provided for your enjoyment by Danielle Bourgeard. She was a 2017 CCMA award winner. And not only is her music kick-ass, she loves dogs. While living in Nashville for eight years, she volunteered for Pity and Pink Dog Rescue. And I'm so excited that she offered to provide the music for this podcast. And I'm the kind of girl can roll like a guy, but I really don't know. If you're ready for the ride, I'm Hello, I'm Billy Grimm, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. And today I have with me again my co-host, David L. Halso. Hey, David. Hi, Billy. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here uh, in this very early morning. Well, I guess it's not that that early, but because we're speaking with Tamara in Thailand, we're uh, we're early and she's later in her evening. Thanks for being here. We've got our coffee and babies going on. Hmm. <laughs> Hi. So, hey, Tamara, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me today. Well, thanks. Thanks for being, for being here. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So, where are you in Thailand? Um, I'm actually in the far south, not far from the border of Malaysia, about an hour away, oh, in a little okay. town called Songkla. Okay. And Songkla, yeah, it's by the beach. Um, oh. It's nice. It's a population of around 70,000 people. So it's not real big, Mm. Um, but we kind of also, the province spreads out quite a little bit as well. So yeah, it's a nice beach site. So are there, you know, you're not, you're from Australia. So there, is it sort of a common Mm. place for people from Australia to go or are there many uh, expats there? Uh, Here, there's not a lot of expats. Uh, Years ago, when I first came here, um, there were a lot of people working for gas and oil, and then there was a little bit of unrest in the south between separatists, Muslim and Buddhist separatists, and um, they'd sent a lot of, lot of the families home then. And now there's not so many expats because they've moved a lot of the rigs up north. So really, it's very different now to what it used to be. Oh, okay. Okay. And how long have you been there? Um, this time I've been here for seven years and oh. then previously I was here for three and then I, I'd gone home for a bit of a break for nine years and then I yeah, moved back again. So hmm. this time's been a long stretch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, and beautiful. you speak the language, do you? I speak most of the language, yes. It's, <laughs> Thai, Thai is a difficult language to learn. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and in the South, it's a little bit of like slang. So it's really, you know, when I first moved here 17 years ago, I mean, nobody could really speak English and they didn't want to speak English. So I started to teach myself then. And then, you know, having come back now, I mean, I, I rely on most people speak only speak Thai that I'm dealing with every day. So I need to be able to speak or communicate with them. So, wow, yeah, I speak enough that I can do what I need to do and 
Huh? Generally. It is yeah. impressive, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's important. So, Tamara, what made you decide to start Thai Street Paws Rescue? Oh, it all started with my precious little Bella, hmm. who I found um, outside a temple, actually, by the street. She was one month old and really quite sick. That was oh. back in 2002. And oh. she's the reason that I started it. And she just passed away this year after 17 years, my baby. And oh. yeah, so it's a tough time this year for me. And she just, I don't know, I had this passion. She just triggered this, I don't know, I, she was special. And yeah. she went back to Australia with me and we spent seven years there after we Nine years, sorry, after we sort of had to go and live in Malaysia and then quarantine in Australia because it's really difficult to take a dog to Australia. Right. I've read that. Just, yeah, it's like it was six, no, one month quarantine for her there. Wow. It can be up to six months. So, yeah, and I I took her back in 2004. And um, back then there was no, you know, the internet. It's not, you didn't have a lot on the internet. So I kind of had to just find my way, muddle my way through doing it. But we did it and took her back. And then we lived there for nine years. And then the reason to come back was I was coming backwards and forwards while living and teaching back in Australia. And, you know, I was finding that the money I was sending wasn't going towards the dogs that it was meant to. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, of, okay, I knew if I moved back, I wouldn't have that income like I had there. Um, but I decided I wanted to be more hands-on. So came back and then. Good for you. I, I street course started seven years ago. <laughs> wow. Very good. Wow. But good. the reason for starting it, she, it just ignited my passion. You know, when I, when I got her and everyone found her really interesting, actually, when we'd be in Australia walking every day, someone was like, what type of dog's that? She's beautiful. And yeah. What does she look like? She was black. Um, kind of a bit fluffy. Um, she almost looked a bit like a lot of people would say a dingo, right? Uh, a black dingo, and she was very, very different looking. And so many people asked me, "Can you know, was she going to have babies? She going to have babies? No, no way. No. So uh, <laughs> that would be a bit counterproductive for what you're doing, right? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, but she just stole my heart, and oh, yeah, that's great. That's the reason. Yeah, she's on my logo actually. That's her. So. Uh, Oh, okay, and we'll post that logo yeah. on the yeah on the website. Thank you. So, Thank it, you. is it what you expected there? And like, do you have help from the locals? And yeah, is it living there and having that rescue? Is it? I guess because you had been there before, you had some idea of what you would expect. Is it? How is it? Yeah. Well, you know, I I knew what I was coming back into, and I actually had moved back to Bangkok initially, and then I decided no, I'm going back to Songkla, and it it only I didn't mean for it to happen so quickly you know I just started to feed some of my dogs I had my own two dogs from Australia and then a disabled dog here and a couple other dogs and I just was feeding the street dogs sterilizing vaccinating at a very low level Mm. and then it just boom and I mean yeah it's it's harder than I would ever have imagined and I can speak the language and I know the culture it's, yeah, and I've, I've said that a couple of times throughout these podcasts that, you know, some people start up a formal dog rescue, but a lot of the people that are guests on, on my show, 
it's more just somehow I ended up with a rescue. They, they sort of wanted to, but the way it, it develops is, is more just based on the culture and, and the dogs. Absolutely. And it is. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them and just I, go, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look where yeah. I am. Exactly. So, so what is your setup? set up like there like is it what what are the numbers that you've got and do you have fosters or is it a shelter or what's what's going on okay so we started out with just um oh there's a few of my dogs barking upstairs we started out just with my house (laughs) they're saying hello um i started out with just i don't know if you can hear them yeah but it's okay that's nice (laughs) i'm sure the listeners have heard dogs barking before yeah uh, yeah, just let me know. Hey, where are you, mom? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I actually started back out just, I really, it really started, we had to open a foster home because my house got full. Okay. So we then what opened do you mean a foster home. What numbers are you looking at there when you say? Um, then I had 12 dogs, which isn't a lot, but yeah. I was still working and I didn't have any help here and I have a disabled dog, so that makes a huge difference. Right. But we had um, some poisonings on the street two blocks, like two, two streets away. And uh, two of the dogs that I um, were feeding got killed. Oh. And one of them was actually meant to go to Canada, had an adopter waiting in Canada. And it was just, it was extremely disturbing and, you know, upsetting. So I just took all those, the 12 remaining dogs to a clinic and I said, admit them here. And, you know, it just I filled up their clinic. So then we decided, okay, we need to start looking for another home for a foster home. And then that, that sort of had like most of, we started with 12 dogs. Then we got up to about 40 there, but now we're back to 13 there. And my home has 12. My sanctuary has about 60. And then, so we've kind of expanded and then I've got about 70 on the street. Wow. Okay. So when you say your sanctuary, is that sort Mm -hmm. of a a fenced in area or, or what is that? Yeah. It's actually like we just, I found the land to rent and mm. it has some buildings on there. So some of the dogs have sort of got like little houses, you know, com- you know, enclosed houses, like the what humans would be in. And then there's a house for humans, but it's like five rye, which I'm not sure what it is in acres, but it's a big block of land. Mm. And it was just like overgrown. We, we cut it all back and uh, yeah, we've got like big dog runs. So they've got, fairly big areas you know we separate them out mm. um just okay. because oh, that works great. best for us yeah and we make sure they're walked every day and a lot of interaction social interaction and yeah and the foster home actually is free range so they're all out together and mm-hmm. same at my home so it just depends on the dogs and their needs and their person we have an otter yeah Absolutely. exactly That's yeah and we also have an otter at our foster home which is uh, <laughs> Surrendered to us on a an otter uh, like a during otter. during COVID a sea otter yeah so <laughs> I'd seen a guy at the vet and I'd like I was like that's so cute and and then he found out where I was a couple of weeks later and he that you know of course I got this thing when it was uh, maybe a couple of weeks old and then she grew and then was becoming more boisterous and <laughs> you know they took it from the wild which is really the sad part and. They said, well, if you don't take it, we're just going to put it back or we don't really care. So she I now have an otter. She would have, absolutely. She had no, like she was drinking milk from a bottle and um, she, she, she still doesn't know. She won't eat fish or anything. She's eating cat food and, yeah. you know, we've done the research and 
it's just so hard. I mean, no, no rescue will really take her. So we now have a room with an otter that has her own pool and <laughs> she's very happy. She has every toy imaginable. And um, did you give her some a name? Really... Her name's Charlotte. <gasps> oh, that's yeah. so Yeah. She's oh. super sweet. And, you know, it's, it kind of, it's sad for her, but she's happy. But at the same time, it's, it's just sad that people don't think about the consequences. Um, yeah. But she is happy. I mean, we do feel bad for her not having a, another otter friend, but um, yeah, <laughs> she sounds very she's got, happy. She does. She is. And she's so, super sweet. So you do have a fair bit of help, do you? Um, we solely relied before on volunteers. Finding local help has always proved to be really, really difficult. Mm. Um, I think it's just the area we're in and it also is um, a high population of Muslim people and that obviously can't work with animals. I do have friends that do work with, sorry, they can't work with dogs, do have some friends that are working with dogs and cats, but they can't actually touch the dogs. So, um I did have one helper once and she was Muslim and she didn't tell her family where she was working. She was brilliant. Um, Finding help. Like right now we did, we've got five staff right now, but you know, now you have paid staff. Is that anything to do with COVID? Yes. COVID we have, we had volunteers lined up to come and then of course they couldn't get in the country. A lot of, we, at the beginning, we had a lot of people wanting to come because they needed somewhere to sort of stay and it worked for us as well. And now we have just, just two volunteers between both the foster home and the sanctuary. So I had to, I have no choice. If I don't have paid help, there's no sanctuary. Um, I was just running myself ragged going from, you know, sanctuary, foster home, my home, shopping, street dogs, vet. Cutting I was going to say you've also, sanctuary. Wow. And you've also like, got those street dogs too, right? That, yeah. Uh, that yep. rely on and, you. And actually, we had intended this interview for, well, we're 13 hours different. So sort of mm. your, well, both of our yesterdays. And because mm. of, you know, last minute yeah. incidents with those street dogs that you have to get to. Exactly. That's really, yeah. you know, you're just, you really need that extra help. So that, that's Absolutely. too bad. But it's, it's good that you started to pay some of the locals and yes and get the help and yeah yeah as ragged oh it's been exhausting you know I just some days you just go how can you keep going what am I doing this is ridiculous and then you look at the dog's faces and you go okay I have to keep going <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you know you, you've also got to be realistic and look after yourself a little bit so I am so thankful I found some local people that can work and yeah, yeah. they're probably thankful for the work too we interviewed yeah, a woman in Mexico who has oh, a dog wow. rescue in her home. And she said she wakes up every morning and just goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much, I, I ask myself probably 50 times a day, what the fuck are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you look at the dogs and there's your answer, right? Exactly. It's, and generally, they're the easy part. The dogs are the easier part yeah. to right. do. As a behaviorist, it's the same thing, or Dogology generally for my career yeah the dog's the easy yeah part. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just yeah it's it's full-on and I I, I want to often just think I, I could just walk away but I know I can't do that so no yeah. yeah. um, you're in but there. yeah good for you yeah yeah um is there a common type of dog there yeah there's 
there's there's a few and probably a Bazenji mix is quite common. Like when when we sort of look at, we have to put down the breed to send them abroad, I go start looking, but that's quite a common looking breed here. A lot look like a dingo or a ridgeback. So they have that, you know, ridge down the back. Um, That is, and there's there's actually a dog that's known, it's a Thai breed, it's called a Bungao. And they're generally seen as aggressive dogs. Um, but we have, we have a couple and they're okay. But, you know, they seem to be like guard dogs and stuff. So that's probably oh, the traditional, that's a Thai dog. But, yeah, they're, they're just a lot of mixes. And, I mean, you know, the DNA tests don't say tell anything. Um, we right. just, I can tell that this dog has come from, you know, this yeah. sort of background. Right. Yeah, they're really unique. Like a lot of our overseas adopters just love them because there's yeah. something unique about them. And well, I mean, that's what, what really happened cool. to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I, I think, fell in love too. I fell in love with my Bella and she was just so unique looking and such a beautiful dog. And, um, yeah. Oh. yeah. So, so but we, we do. Yeah. Dog meat, by the way, Tamara. Um, what's, the, what's the culture like that there? Okay, so in where I am, it's not a big problem. In the north, there's still some areas that do eat dog, but there is the dog meat trade that was happening from here to um, Vietnam, crossing Laos. Um, We do, I have seen it here where I live when I first moved back here. Um, One of my puppies went missing and... The barbecue was there and that area was known that they go along and they try to befriend the dogs and then they catch them and then they eat them. Oh. So, mm. um, and I, I'd spoken to a couple of my vets about it and they'd heard this is true. Um, and they're usually from workers that have come over from Cambodia or Myanmar. Oh. So, okay. um, yeah, it's just a really... I know there's other places. I, I, I think it's there's probably been a bit of a crackdown on it right now. Good. But unfortunately, there are still places. And I have a dog from the dog meat trade that we rescued crossing the border, and she was beaten so badly that she's now disabled. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just it's horrible. It's, and I know that you know, there's a lot of foundations working to stop this. Um, yeah, there are. There's so, that. yeah, there's, there's a lot worldwide. That I've worked with here. That have come from the Korean yeah. meat market, yep. and, and there's a rescue work that brings them up, and yes. uh, they're just they're beautiful dogs. Yeah, yeah. they are, and it's it's a and it's amazing. Some of them, yes, have behavior problems, or you know, um, but most of them still come out okay the other end. Oh yeah, they're you know, just it's so just happy. like um, yes, it's yeah. just. <laughs> I mean, considering what they've been through, I mean, and I see that with a lot of my dogs here, what they've been through, and I'm like, how can you trust a human again? Yeah. But they do. So yeah. it shows you they're very resilient. and. Yes, resilient is a good word. Yes, they are. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the challenges you face are unique day to day. People's perception and the traditions with the Muslims. Yeah. yeah, and I guess I, spay and neuter. What's what's their um, vision on spay and neuter there? 
Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, you'll get some, some Buddhists that won't, they believe that it's not good luck if you do actually sterilize an animal, that then you won't have your own children as a human. And some temples, it's, it's quite difficult. You know, you have to really convince them that this is the right thing to do. Um, a lot of people believe the male doesn't need to be done. It's only the female because the male can't get pregnant. But, you know, trying to explain that they, they will travel many kilometres <laughs> to impregnate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, trying to, and it's not until usually they've been in quite a few fights and the dog almost dies that they go, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going now. Yes, let's sterilize the dog. So, yeah, yeah you just have, chal- you know, and like I see things like, you know, dogs being sliced with machetes and bashed and beaten because they're looking for food. I have one dog that's disabled because she went out looking for food when her pups were little and some guy beat her and broke her back. Yeah. Um, you know, eyes missing. A lot of dogs where I do the street, the street food for them they are have eyes missing just the eyes just gone it's been yeah. hit you know we just sent a little dog to canada actually a few yeah. weeks ago and she was from down just near my home but she was beaten on um new year's eve and her eye was hanging out she's got one eye she's, she's still beautiful so Aww. yeah and it's I'm really it's difficult yeah me too and she's loving it yeah she's oh, living my life so that's it's awesome. just, you know, I think a lot of people think, why are you doing that when there's people that need help? And I try to explain to them, I'm also helping the people. I'm helping the community. I'm helping to stop the suffering from people, you know, well, certainly having animals. So it's, it's, it's sometimes they just look at me and laugh like there's that silly furung, which is a word for foreigner. And, you know, look at us feeding huh. those dogs. And yeah, I think you're hear, rich because you're doing it. We hear from people and, here sometimes who say, why are you helping dogs in Mexico? Dogs here need help. Mm. Well. Dogs mm. don't know borders. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's if exactly right. If everybody has a passion and everybody does something, whatever it is that they can do to Positive. help whatever cause, yeah, whatever cause that they want to help, you know, exactly. there's no point in criticizing people that are doing something good, yeah. you know, and helping it, out and whatever, whatever your thing. You, and, and usually if you ask those people what they're doing, they're not doing anything. Exactly. No, like, they well, spend until a lot you of are, their time complaining. Yeah. And exactly. that's what I usually keyboard warriors. Oh, yeah. So what yeah. Have you done lately? <laughs> yeah. 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 I just had a guy like having a go at us who were looking for a flight volunteer. He's like, why would anybody spend this? He, did, he came up with some ridiculous amount of money, which I don't know where he got it from, sending dogs abroad when people, local people here are suffering from COVID with the economy. And I'm like, yes, I realize they're suffering here. And I'm, I'm providing food to people as well. You know, I'm. I'm bloody helping someone's cows, giving injections to cows because they're sick because he has no money. You know, I'm still yeah. helping the community and giving dog food, cat food, medication. Yeah. Um, so I am no. helping people. And if they're not part of the solution, they're part of the problem and they're wasting your time. And if you're absolutely, you know, yeah, again, so you've got a sea otter and, and cows mm-hmm. and then oh, yeah. cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah. And that is helping the people. All sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. And just doing something so positive and helpful, it's, it is helpful to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and you know, even the people that look down upon me or they're like silly, it is helping them. It's helping reduce the population and the suffering. And, you know, I know the dog that was slashed by a machete recently, um, it, 
the reason they they got he got slashed she got slashed was because she was looking for food because right. the farmer couldn't afford you know these dogs turned up he couldn't afford to feed them so now we have people that sponsor every month a drop a bag of food off every week 20 kilos the dogs aren't needing to go and scavenge for food so we right. can solve that problem and i sterilize the dogs so right yeah right. and so that's got to be a big expense or i guess is the I, you know how are how are the vet prices there and food prices? I think I mean right now Thailand is expensive for me. I mean with the conversion rate from Australian dollar, it's way more expensive than ever before. Hmm. And I mean my vet bills are through the roof because you know you think oh well I just take one dog to the vet for this or yeah. you know if we have a parvo case there's ten thousand baht twenty thousand baht for one animal. I mean that's a thousand Australian dollars. Oh wow! And yeah. you know, and food adds up. I mean, I'm feeding 100 and something dogs a day, and then medication, tick treatment, uh, flea, you know, flea treatment and deworming, and treatment for blood parasite, which is so common here. Okay. And I tend to buy a lot of the medication at the local pharmacy, like a human pharmacy, and then you know, once after a while, you know what you need, or I have a vet that I can just ring, and he'll say, "No, I give this for this that case." So. Right. Where possible, I try to do the medications myself. It's yeah, it's yeah. Just, makes- otherwise, it just adds up too much, you know. Right. And it's it's can cheaper considered um, compared to Australia, Canada, US. But when you're talking about 160 dogs plus cats, you know, as cats yeah. at the temple too. Right. I mean, it starts to add up. So, right. So, do you have a way that people can donate or can help, and I guess transport? At one point when we were talking, you talked sure. about your sister in New York is a big help. Yeah, she sure is. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't do this without her. She, she does a lot of my, um, you know, responding to messages and comments online. And when we send dogs abroad to New York or LA, she normally does all the paperwork. Uh, we just sent the ones to New York and she did all the paperwork. And then she's always looking for people to help with transport, whether it's from the airport to, um, you know, the boarding place that they might be in. Our friends have a boarding place there that they often go for a few days in between. Oh. The oh, transport great. to Canada. Wow. Yeah. But we're always looking for um, adopters, you know, everywhere around the world actually, and fosters and just people to help with transport or Right now we're trying to get a dog to Canada, to Toronto, but there's no flight volunteers. So we're, hmm. we're looking at trying to get her into New York maybe and then road transport her up to the Canadian yeah. border. And actually so I, there's just, I sent a message yeah. out to uh, Furry Hobos and Highway Heroes, which is our yeah. guest a couple episodes ago and yeah just uh just waiting to hear back from them maybe they can be helpful on getting that dog over the border we'll see a little bit trickier with covid yeah yeah thank you i know we um can get the dogs we just sent some with um another rescue and they were able to get them through because they're a registered rescue from the canadian side so it's it's just frustrating and the doctors are frustrated because they're waiting and you know there's just no flights and cargo is a ridiculous amount of money and yeah yeah we're always looking for help on the on the ground and you know sharing the work and donations and volunteers when the borders are open yeah um, oh, there's so great. many ways yeah yeah there's yeah so many ways that people can help and 
Um, okay, well, we'll have all that in yeah. on the show notes and on my website. Perfect. And make sure to share all that. Perfect. Okay, so Billy, I think that brings yeah, us to our tail end question. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Tamar, can you please share with us something you've learned from an animal or animals that is life-changing or inspirational? And I think Bella's name's going to come up. <laughs> yeah, you know... <laughs> Yeah, she, she changed my life. I mean, she, yeah, it's really hard to talk about her, actually. I lost both of my girls within a year of each other. So um, just she's, she's a reason I keep going every day and she's a reason I've learned so much, you know, with these dogs and being here and just seeing the way that they have been treated. And even at a young age, she'd been treat, mistreated and she still had some behaviour issues, you know. But I see them that they... These dogs, they never give up hope. You know, they keep fighting. They're just like hoping that someone's going to come along. So that's what keeps me going. And that's what I've learned that one day things are going to get better. Like every day I sort of, I'm tired. I, I don't know if I can keep going, but I just keep thinking about these dogs and the look in their eyes. And yeah, I've learned so much from, uh, from not only my Bella, but all great. of them. And you know, they have so much love to give despite being beaten or dumped or kicked or hit by a motorbike and you know it's just so much and my girls definitely planted that seed for me and I, I promised her when I let her go that I would keep fighting for her and that's what I have to do even and if it's you hard have so, immensely. thank you so much for all yeah your time, yes thank you so no. much yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Thank thanks so for much. sharing everything. And we'll <laughs> oh, and we touch. have, can I say one more thing or not? Yeah, yes, sure. Can. Yeah, we, we have uh, my good friend Gigi Garner also has a foundation for her father, James Garner, the Hollywood oh. actor. Oh, and oh, Gigi's a good friend of mine. Yes, yeah, so um, she also has um, the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund up and going, and she did that. She promised me that she would set up a fund behalf of her father in memory of him for up to help us so that's another um she helps a lot of animals as well so a lot oh, of different rescues fantastic. so i'm so proud to be associated with that and yes. i'm so thankful for their support thanks and, for sharing that with us yes. i mean yeah you know that james garner the actor was that devoted to animals i don't I he don't was he was a massive massive dog lover and yep oh that's yep. fantastic so yeah, that was so much so, Yes, like she wanted to do to to for his memory. But yeah, thank you for having daughter. me. Yeah, that's yes, great. You Good did. for her. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good for her. Well, thanks for sharing that as well. Yeah, people people need mm, to know that. Yes. It's just really great what people do for animals. It's just yeah. yeah, with all the bad, horrible things that happen, there's so many wonderful stories too, like yours. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thanks thank again, you so Tamara. much. Take thank care. you. Okay, you too. Thanks. Thanks again to Tamara and David. That was a great chat. Tamara is amazing. Please support her. You can find the links in my show notes and pictures of Ty Street Paw Dog Rescue are on my website, www.upperdogology.com, which brings me to my snippet tip. The more you share and spread awareness, the more animals will be saved. This is a social media fact. If you have an interest in helping animals or helping people who help animals, please share their posts. You can also check out the other episodes in season four. You can like those guests on Facebook and follow them on Instagram. 
share their posts and let your friends know about this podcast. If you are interested in dog behavior, why upper dogology is so effective with dogs over six months and in particular rescued dogs and who the hell I am and why I'm doing this podcast, check out season one. It is four episodes. It's not long and not complicated. In fact, they were revamped in mid-August and they're getting great reviews. In season two, I talk about some clients and their learning journeys. And in season three, I give you the skinny on trending methods, why they are sometimes effective and sometimes not. If you have not listened to season three, episode one within the last few days, I've revamped that. It was a recap of season one. Now it is on trending method called balance training. Please like, follow, and share Upper Dogology on Instagram and Facebook. Send any comments or requests for guests to billy at upperdogology.com. And please support musicians because dogs and music make the world a better place. You can find the links to Danielle in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy your learning journey.